Justice delayed is justice denied. Yet the most obvious non-event in the history of mankind is the justice that has not been done for owners. Justice for the creators and the builders of wealth is a thing that we most recognize by its absence. Mrs. Cyanic Rio is the world's first science-based and quantifiable theory of justice. Justice can be quantified, measured, and compared, and analyzed if it is based on the sanctity of ownership. Once justice prioritizes justice for owners, we see what has pushed justice for owners into the hinterland of issues that we need to be that we need to consider. There is, or there's postulated to be, a tension between justice and liberty. Indeed, justice and liberty must be considered incompatible ideas. We are not ignorant of guilty persons struggling with every fiber of their being to escape justice. Even those we consider the worst sort of persons seek liberty. They rarely seek justice, at least as we understand it. Possibly the desire for freedom is linked to a similarly strong disinterest in justice. The behavior of criminals suggests they believe in freedom from justice as a possibility. Perhaps freedom from justice only requires, at least in their mind, getting through or over a physical or perhaps jurisdictional boundary. What is liberty that it has such power over men's minds? Justice falls like a miscreant hit by a set of well-placed darts from a taser. Those intent on freedom destroy justice or seek to, and they are ready to pay any cost to grasp it. Meanwhile, the U.S. has erected an immense statue to liberty, but they have blinded Lady Justice. Yet this being said, and acknowledging the grand statements made about liberty by nations such as France and the U.S., what factual remarks can they provide when we ask for references regarding the character of Lady Liberty? The Cambridge Dictionary remarks liberty is nothing more than the freedom to live as you wish or go where you want. The ancient writers of Webster's 1958 unabridged dictionary were a little more verbose. In their statement, liberty is said to include such things as freedom of choice and the absence of necessity, though they also suggest liberty is freedom from slavery and the sum of all rights and exemptions possessed in common by the people of a community or state. Liberty, despite its august lineage and histronics, gets described in rather puerile terms. Madison in Federalist 10 bluntly remarks, there are again two methods of removing the causes of action. The one by destroying the liberty, which is essential to its existence, meaning the existence of factions. The other, by giving to every citizen the same opinions, the same passions, and the same interests. It could never be more truly said than of the first remedy that it was worse than the disease. Liberty is to faction what air is to fire, an ailment without which it instantly expires. But it could not be less folly to abolish liberty, which is essential to political life, because it nourishes faction, than it would be wise to to wish the annihilation of air, which is essential to animal life, because it imparts to fire 
its destructive agency. End of quote. It can be noted in the Federalist Papers that a persistent concern is the power of the state, particularly as regards standing armies, to defeat the factions liberty creates by doing just what Madison de deemed unwise, that is, forcing upon the people the same opinions, the same passions, and the same interests. This was an eventuality against which the people were to arm themselves. The power to maintain liberty is the same power that is needed to overthrow it. From this perspective, we can see that the Founding Fathers never got beyond this dilemma and never solved it. The structure of the United States government is an uneasy permission to create faction without establishing any means to its abolishment. Like our nuclear reactor, the radiant energy of liberty is kept fissioning, dampening the reactions without permitting it to explode. That which is unbounded is at liberty. The binding agent might be law, moral prohibitions, traditions, or physical constraints. That which is not bounded is at liberty. That being said, seeking to unbind oneself is a doomed and an absurd notion. Individual unbounded moral freedom is a nuclear reactor that has assumed the structure of an atomic bomb. If liberty is to be considered freedom from constitutional and statutory regular, regulatory restrictions, that is acceptable. If we are to talk about nothing but paper kingdoms, if reality is what we discuss, liberty without a state is a prison without jailers. Liberty is ultimately a self-refuting conception and all but useless in rational discourse. No matter your view of freedom, moral culpability is a reality. We can be as free as we wish and we can be as bounded as we wish. The degree of either is up to us. We are infinitely free so far as theory or theoretical possibilities are concerned. We are free to kill or die if we wish. However, we are not free in the most minor way if we wish to be just. If we are talking logic, reason, or morality, there is no freedom. There is no rational or logical freedom if justice has any meaning. There is only insanity waiting outside of God's system of justice founded by his will. Freedom is available to man only beyond the realm governed by the reality formed by God. For a secularist, this is not a tenable conclusion. Liberalism is founded on the proposition that liberty is possible, though we can neither feel nor taste it. An important consideration for secularists. It needs no degree in philosophy to understand freedoms easily collide. Freedom of speech for Fred is hate speech for Alice. Sovereign citizenship for Greg is an infringement upon one's inalienable property rights for Jim. So let's move beyond the obvious and ask what sorts of liberty are there? What are the classes of liberty that are available to us. Hegelian liberty is the kind that is read in tooth and claw. This is the liberty of all men against the one, and the one against all others. 
what Hegel called the state of nature. Think of Hegelian freedom as anarchy without the idealism. The other form of freedom is liberal freedom. Liberal freedom is structured. It's not a single form of freedom, but more of a class of classes or a meta-freedom, a reality in which there is no actual freedom, only interpretations as to what freedom is for the person. The freedom of a black person is not the same as a white person's freedom. The freedom of Islam is not the freedom of a Christian, and so on through all the intersectional realities. From this, we arrive at intersectionality, which is just another way of saying my freedom in my class has more limitations than the freedom your class has. We move from the freedom of a war of all against all to administrated liberty, the freedom of order, freedom in cells or containers, freedom as a kind of contained liberty. And this forces us to ask who organizes liberty and who pays for it. Administrative freedom is a sort we all understand, but it runs the gamut from tyranny to liberal democracy. Regardless of the administrative tool used, the ones doing the organizing have to be paid. At this point, the issue of justice must be introduced. In the far north of Canada, many communities are isolated. They have a store, a chief, and perhaps a priest or other religious leader. There is no real legal system, at least not during winter months. If property damage is encountered, the chief, the priest, and the store manager arrange to have the damage repaired. And this is one freedom or version of freedom. The, this highlights the tension between freedom and justice. If you bake a pie and eat it, this is one sort of freedom. It's also the basic unit of justice. But if you bake a pie and others want to share, this is another kind of liberty, and it requires someone with administrative authority, not just to share the pie, but to ensure the baker gets some compensation, or that will likely be the last pie he ever bakes. If the pie belongs to the baker, then how does the state lay claim to it? What right or authority gives the state the power to allocate the sharing to a wider group? The pie baker must be compensated for his or her work, but that does not explain how the pie got divided between people who provided no apples, flour, or labor. This brings us to another feature of liberty. The baker was not free on how to make and bake a pie, there were steps he was required to take if the end product was going to be edible. Liberty extends from a war of all against all to an administrated liberty in which one liberty is played off against another and each constituency has their customized freedom provided. All of their benefits is protected by laws against hate speech which is speech that attacks or attempts to discredit the liberties offered various other constituencies or consumers of liberty. We now see liberty and justice are not bedfellows, but sworn enemies. 
Indeed, the preaching of liberty is a primary method of chipping away at justice. Justice degenerates into a controlled liberty, which is really, really a legal benefit. Need it be said, legal benefits can be as easily rescinded as they are supplied. There is no liberty in justice. To understand this, we need to understand what justice is and what its foundation is. Once this is done, we will understand what liberty is and why it has the structure that it has. To put it bluntly, we have liberty when justice is made into a subjective quality. Justice is based on ownership and refers to the protection and expansion of ownership. We own what we create. We do not own what was created by others, nor do we have any claim on that created by others. Ownership is objective and absolute, so is justice. If we have a right only to the pie we bake, then what does liberty mean when liberty relativizes our ownership and makes it contingent about the wants and needs of others? Liberty is nothing more or less than a direct attack on ownership, primarily an attack on the position of God as the creator of all the natural order, that is, his ownership position. If a pie is made by one person and baked by another, this gives two claims on the same pie, not twelve, not twenty. If this is so, what is democracy? Democracy is part of the liberal basket of institutions created to challenge the position of the creator, whether man or God. What can be divided by a vote, but what has been created? If there is no pie to divide, a democratic vote is an empty gesture. If the vote is restricted to people who help create the pie, it's a waste of time. Each contributor to the pie already has earned his share. It would take an extraordinary event to deprive the person out of his share of the pie. So, democracy substantiates the claim made to a pie people had no share in making. By participating in the election, all parties implicitly agree to the sharing of an existing pie by the government. If justice was upheld, everyone would own what they create. No one would have a claim to anything not created by them. Calls for liberty would be seen in only one of two ways. It would be a call for justice by the makers of pies, or it would be a call to overthrow the ownership rights of these bakers, so the freeloaders could also enjoy pie. If the call to liberty is a call by owners for justice, then it is really just a call for justice, not a call for liberty. Liberty does not give people what they own and created. That is justice. Messianic real is a scientific theory of justice that promotes and defends owners against the depredations of liberal freeloaders. If you are a creator of wealth and are looking to protect what you create from the depredations of freeloaders and parasites, including liberal governments, please do contact, contact us at messianic at messianic slash justice.com.